Okay, Bryce wants the countdowns. Here we go. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Happy New Year! I did that one time I was at a Chris Tomlin concert, and they had like a big countdown doing that, and I kind of, Dave, awesome mooing earlier this evening. Oh yeah, I was back there. I was, I was the one putting up the cow face, so I can, uh, I can move right along with the best of them, but kind of along those same lines, you know, it's counting down, and everybody's kind of getting amped up for the concert, and this friend of mine was sitting beside him, and I went, hey, when it hits zero, we should scream Happy New Year. She goes, okay. He goes, three, two, one, and she jumps up and just screams Happy New Year. And, like, everybody just kind of turns and looks at her, and she goes, I hate you, and just sat down. <laughs> so, so I wasn't exactly in your shoes, but I have done what was done to you. So, uh, no, that was that was fun. That was actually a really fun uh, skit time. It was pretty entertaining. So, so now wait a minute. I have to ask: Did did we finally figure out who the killer was? I think I missed that part. So, like, we don't have to worry about anybody else dying throughout the week or anything like that. Okay, awesome. Because it was kind of getting down to the point that I thought they were going to kill me off. So uh, I was getting a little worried there. What? <laughs> she goes, we should have. Awesome. Was that Holly? I'm sorry. I was like, I was like engrossed in what was going on up here on the front row. So I told, did you just say we we still can? Wow. You know what? We should do it tomorrow night when the parents are here. Like that's awesome. No, I'm just kidding. 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 So, so I already told him like how I wanted to die if like it happened, but I'm not gonna tell y'all how to, how I'm gonna do it. So um, it'll completely exonerate Miss Angela because she's in prison right now apparently. So um, is she in here? She wasn't here a minute ago. Okay, uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed being here with you guys this week. Um, this has been a lot of fun for me. I hope that you guys have enjoyed it. Uh, we're down to this session and our morning session tomorrow, and uh, I kind of hate to see it come to an end, but it it kind of has to. And tonight, we're I'm going to show you guys why camp has to come to an end. Um, this one I've, I've been really excited about about doing since this was actually one of the first lessons that I I really started um, studying on and focusing on when when I first uh, started studying for for this week. Uh, not because it's X Men. Uh, but simply, oh, I forgot about that. It says I'm sick of being their maid. It's Iron Man ironing. I forgot I'd put that up there. A buddy of mine sent me that like an hour ago. He goes, I thought you could use a good laugh. And I was like, yes. Okay, so uh, Iron Man ironing Batman and Superman's costumes. Um, it's pretty fun. So, okay. Hey guys, thank you. Okay, everybody, show them. I mean, I know I'm showing the verses on the screen, but that's not really an excuse not to not to bring your Bible. But okay, 
Uh, tomorrow morning, I want everybody to have yours. But tonight, we're going to be talking about the X-Men. And I know that you're going to be, you're like, really? We're going to learn about the X-Men? Yeah. Um, they're a little different. I mean, of course they're different, but that's, that's why we're going to be talking about them. And I'm going to, I'm going to say a phrase here in a second that a lot of you all have heard. And as soon as I say it, a lot of you are going to shut me off. And the reason I know you're going to shut me off is because I have shut speakers off when they start talking about things that I've already heard. And I'm like, they're never going to say anything new. They're never going to give me anything that I don't already know. Uh, so, but please do not shut off because uh, this one is, is going to be very important. But the reason that we're looking at the X-Men is quite simply this. In the world, but not of it. Now, for those of you who have been hidden away somewhere and don't know what the X-Men are, they are quite simply mutants. They're just different from everybody. It's kind of an easy thing to, to kind of build a comic book off of because everybody's different. But the thing about it is everybody's different in that if you're so different and you're so far outside of normal, you become expendable. You, you become something that nobody wants anymore. And so that, that's kind of where we find, where we find, uh, where we find these, these X-Men. They're, they're so far outside of what's normal, which in all honesty, I think that the word normal needs to be taken out of the dictionary. Like the word can be there and the pronunciation can be there, but I think the definition needs to be left blank. Because what I consider normal is not what you consider normal. And what, you know, you will look at one time and go, oh, yeah, well, that's just normal. No, it's weird. It's just they've done it so many times it's become normal for them. Remember we talked about that, that sin sometimes in your life, uh, like the Hulk, will, will begin to grow to a point where you just go, you know what, that's just part of my life now. And it's become normal. So your definition of normal is constantly changing. So it's not really fair to hold somebody to that standard of what you consider normal when it's constantly changing. Like my idea of normal now is different from my idea of normal when I was your age because I've gone through a lot of different things. I've, I've seen some different things, and so my outlook on life has changed. Now, my, my normal has a basis, a foundation, but, but things have changed a little bit. So, you know, to, to say, oh, well, they're not normal, that's not fair. You know, you're not normal in their eyes. You kind of understand where I'm going here? You know, we, we, what would it be like if we were so completely different from everybody else that we were hated, despised, or even persecuted? Like every, every day of our lives could possibly be the last one because the world we're living in hates us so much that they would do everything to make us extinct. You see, that's, that's the world that the X-Men grow up or are, are living in. It's a world that doesn't understand them, so they despise them. It's a world that doesn't understand them to the point that they hate them. It's a world that doesn't understand them to the point that they want to see them persecuted. And to the point that they're completely wiped off the earth. So we're, we're kind of going to look at how, how this is handled a lot of times. It, it may be difficult for us to understand sometimes or even fathom, but for the X-Men, it's their reality. It's their life. 
Uh, the reoccurring theme is alienation, separation, uh, due to the fact that they're just so different that they can't fit in comfortably to a crowd or even the rest of humanity. You see, if you've ever seen the movie X-Men Origins, well, no, not Origins, um, First Class, that's what it was. You know, there's Hank, the beast. You know, he's just a normal-looking guy, and you're like, oh, wow, how'd that happen? But out of all the mutants, he's kind of the one guy that can't fit in. Like, he's this big, blue, hairy beast. That's what he is. He can't fit in. And in a lot of the comic books, he wears a hat, and he wears glasses, and he's, you know, a professor, and he wears, like, this coat. And, you know, he just tries to take on human attributes, but he's, he's just so totally different that he can't fit into the rest of humanity. They, they have various powers and qualities that make them different from everybody, even within their own group. You know, there's some of them that uh, I remember, like, that was kind of the, the crazy thing in, like, the first X-Men movie that came out was you had uh, the girl that if she touched you, like, she completely zapped you of all of your energy, all of your power. You know, and until they figured out, like, what was going on, you know, then she started wearing gloves, but she lost one of the things that made her human, and that was the ability to interact through touch because she couldn't touch anyone anymore. So, so the things that made them different, even though society goes, hey, you're different, I don't want to have anything to do to you, a lot of times in that comic book, in that, in that world, it even alienates them from their own kind, if you want to put it that way. You know, because in that movie, she's struggling because, you know, it's like an angsty kind of teenage thing. She, she, wants to, she wants to be loved, and she wants to show love, but she can't because in doing so, she completely drains people of their energy. So you see, alienation is, is, is kind of a thing that goes on throughout all of this. You see, the X-Men, in, in that world, we have homo sapiens, humans, and then they have this kind of breed of people that they came up with for the sake of the comic book world called homo superior. Like, regular humans like you and I are homo sapiens. Mutants are the homo superior. Like, they kind of see themselves as evolving beyond normal human characteristics, traits, different things like that. Uh, in the comic book world of genetic mutation, the mutant children, you know, they gain their abilities, often at the cost, like, physical oddities, like I kind of talked about. Uh, mutants exist in the world, yet... They exist separate from the culture in, in that world in the comic book. The X-Men most confront one fundamental uh, you know, reality and an inescapable reality, and it's this. Mutants are in the world, but they're not of that world. You know, like they exist in the world that was created by the comic book guys, but they're in it, but they're not of it. Like they're, they're, they're there, but the world is not for them. Does that sound familiar? You know, in the world but not of it. Yeah, that's that's a phrase that we've that we've used so often in, in in Christianity. You know, I mean God God tells us, He goes, Hey, I've called you from death to life. You know, you're 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 not really part of this world. You're just you're here for me. And and a lot of times that struggle is is hard for us. And I know that it's hard for you guys because I've been where you are. And I know a lot of speakers say that, but I want you guys to know that I genuinely mean it. I have been where you are. I was an outsider in my own class, in my own school, because I was different. 
And it wasn't that, like, I had, like, an oddity. I didn't have, like, a third arm growing out of my back that I had surgically removed or anything, you know. Like, it wasn't anything like that. What it was was I just didn't fit into any one of the cliques. I didn't fit into any one of the groups. I wasn't athletic. I know that you all can't tell that now, but I wasn't athletic at all. I think the last time I played sports for my school, I was, like, in fourth grade. And even then, I played sports. I sat on the bench and, like, ran water to people and then ran back and was like, when's somebody going to run me water? Oh, wait, I can just grab it. Um, You know, but, I mean, I I didn't really fit in. And I tried. I tried to fit into so many different things, and I was always trying to find my identity to the point that I never really had an identity. I mean, I had friends. But I never went and hung out with them because I didn't really fit into what they were doing. And then this group of friends, I'd kind of hang out with them until they went and did something, and I was just like, eh, not really interested. So I didn't. Like, I, I, w- I was always trying to find my identity. I was always trying to fit into something. And, and I know that a lot of you all are struggling with that. And a lot of you all, you guys have an identity, and God love you for it. Like, that's awesome. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you're strange or you're weird or you're, you're different. Like, you're you. God made you you. Be you. That's awesome. You know, but right now you're trying to find that identity. You're trying to kind of figure out what you are. I think one of the worst things that they can do sometimes is career day. You know, it's because, like, if I would have gone with the career that I wanted to do in in high school, I I don't even want to tell you guys where I would be. Probably because I can't really remember where I would have been. Because apparently that's how big of an impression it made on me. You know, I mean, I've told you guys, I never saw myself here. I never saw myself doing this. But God did, and he was preparing me for that all along. But I came to it so late in life because I, because I struggled to, to find that identity. You know, we hear that phrase so often, in the world but not of it. And sometimes, you know, we shouldn't. Let me just read this to you. Many times we think of this phrase as referring to the life of a believer in a sinful world that we live in, that we shouldn't become part of our culture and involve ourselves in the sin and mindset of our world. While, I mean, this is true, we're kind of going a little bit different spin tonight. Okay, now do you all catch what I said? We've heard that where it says we don't need to be a part of our culture. We don't need to be a part of, of the mindset and involve, our, involve ourselves in the sin. That is true but I want to take a different spin on it. That's why I told you guys to hang on. Throughout history, the church of Jesus Christ has often described the life of Christian experience in this same way. Christians are in the world, but not of it. Michael Brewer says this, we're foreigners far from our own, from our true home. Outsiders frequently reminded that we don't fit in. How many of you all feel like you don't? fit in. You don't have to raise your hand. I mean, just ask yourself that question. How many of you all just feel like you don't fit in? We're not supposed to feel like we fit in because we don't. My grandmother used to say this, and I never understood it until I got older. She was like, we're just a square peg in a round hole. What? And I was always like, why would you try to cram a square peg into a round hole? It's like, who does that? And then she goes, well, you used to. 
yeah, when I was like six months old and didn't understand shapes. But like I understand it now, you know. We're, we're supposed to be different. But not like that sophisticated, like hoity-toity, hi, I'm, I'm better than you because I'm a Christian. No. Like Jesus never did that. You see, a lot of people do that. A lot of people will see stuff going on, and it's like, hey, you want to come over here and do this? Oh, no, I'm a Christian. I mean, like, there's a time and a place for that to go, no, you know what? No. I mean, like, if, if you feel like you don't fit in, good. That's how it's supposed to be. The Apostle Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 20. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the Apostle Paul is saying when, 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 when we are raised, I, I love it. Jared, I, I know you're sitting back there. This morning, we were talking about like gifts and service. And it didn't strike me until this afternoon when I was like driving through that torrential downpour that came through that Jared quoted one of my favorite verses when he quoted James. When he said, every good gift and every perfect gift, he had no clue I was talking about service and gifts and things that God gives you. And he quotes that verse talking about every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of above. And I love the second part of that. It says, with whom there is no changing or shadow of turning. See, he created you with the gifts that he wanted for a purpose in a world that you feel like you will never fit into. And that's hard. That's hard for me. And I, I remember how hard it is when I was your age, but it's, it's harder for you guys now. Because you guys deal with things that I never even imagined dealing with, like with the social media and, and all of that stuff. And I'm not going to stand up here and condemn Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Vine and like all of that stuff because it's like everything else. If it's used the right way, it's good. If it's used the wrong way, run away from it. But you see, a lot of times, like you guys are, are, are struggling so hard to fit in and, and, and to find like that group that you want to be with. And, and right here, the Apostle Paul tells us we're, we're not of this world. My grandmother used to sing this old, this old song, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. And, and, and that's what they're talking about. Like, you, you, you shouldn't feel comfortable. Eh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Plain and simple. Our citizenship is in heaven. We don't belong here. But you guys are like, well, Jared, if we don't belong here, then why are we here? Good question. That's what we've been hitting the whole week. You are here to proclaim Christ. You are here to proclaim the difference that God has made in your life. You're here to be in the world, but not of the world. Like I said, don't go around and be like, I'm a Christian. You must do as I say. You must do as I command because I know what's right. I, people like that drive me crazy. 
uh, I know I'm going to get this phrase wrong, so I'm going, to, I'm going to paraphrase it. It says, at all times, preach the gospel. And when necessary, use words. Your life, you should be able, I think I got it right. Woohoo! Okay. You guys should live your life so differently from the world, but not like in a, in, in a, in a pushy kind of way, but you guys should live so differently that people see you and they go, hey, wait a minute. There's something different about them. I want that. People should see such a change in who you are now versus who you used to be because Christ has come into your life and made a change. I mean, think about it this way. Sometimes we, we live like we have no victory at all. We just sang about it tonight. Jesus has trampled over death, hell, and the grave for you. There is nothing that is going to stand up against you that is going to tear you down because you are held solidly in the hand of Christ. And he says there is nothing. There is no power. There is no principality. There is nothing in this world that is going to knock you down. They may ding you up a few times, but there is nothing that's going to be able to tear you down because I am fighting for you. Follow me. Why would you not want that? Why would you not want to live your life for that purpose right there? I don't live in this world anymore. I'm a citizen of heaven. I don't belong here. Congratulations. Those of you who said, I don't feel like I fit in, you're not supposed to. Because you do not belong here. Those of you who have accepted Christ as your Savior, you belong in another place. But God has you here for a purpose, and that's to bring others to Him. And sometimes that is just simply in how you live your life. And I'm not saying go go home and throw away, I would say throw away all your CDs, but you all download a lot of music. I'm not saying go and like wipe your iPods clean. If that's what God is challenging you to do, that's an area that He wants you to clean up, clean it up. If the area that he wants you to clean up is your friends, clean it up. If the area that he's wanting you to clean up is your party atmosphere or like some other things that you guys are involved in, get rid of it. It does not belong in your life because your life is no longer in this world. You see, when you start living with that mindset and with that heart cry, you'll see amazing things happen. Nobody should, should, should look at you and go, hey, wait a minute, I thought you were a Christian. That's some of the most devastating words I've ever heard uttered to me. Oh, I didn't know you did that. I thought you were a Christian. I am a Christian. Oh, well, I didn't think Christians did that. I've had to make a lot of changes in my life. And not because of the way that other people looked at me, but because it, it was almost like at, the, at those moments God used those people to go, hey, Jared, you know what? You need to get this out of your life. Jared, you need to move away from this. Jared, you don't need to be involved in this. Sorry, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Because we don't belong in this world, but we have citizenship in heaven, we're kind of like spiritual X-Men. Some of us are big, hulking blue beasts. Some of us can shoot laser beams out of our eyes. No, I'm just kidding. 
I do like this. And this is going to sound really funny. Storm. Everybody know Storm from X-Men? She can control the weather. She can conjure up all this stuff. Do you know what my God tells me that I can do in the Bible? If I just have the faith to do it? He says I can move mountains. He said I can command the very mountains to cast into the sea. That's the power that we get to live with. The power of, of, of God. Think about it. The very God that created everything around you is the very God that gave his son to save you so that he can live inside of you. That's the power that you contain within you when you are a child of God. Forget like Iron Man with with the, I can't even think of it right now, don't, don't throw it out at me, but like with the power source that he has, that's like a matchstick. That's not even like a matchstick. That's like the spark to create a matchstick, like the fire on a matchstick compared to like what God has for us and the power that we contain with him. I mean, think about it. The very God that created everything, I love this, and this is totally not my notes. This is free information. Genesis 2, verse 7. It says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. When you read Genesis 1, and it goes, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning God created light. Let there be light. Let there be this. Let there be that. Just the very words of his mouth spoke all of this into existence. But the God that sent his son to die for you got down in the dirt that he spoke into existence and molded man with his own hands. He got down in the dirt and formed man out of the dust of the ground. And then I love this. It says, and then breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. God spoke everything into existence, but when he created man, he got personal and he got his hands dirty. And then times later, he sent his son to be born in a manger. And he sent his son to live without a place to lay his head. And he sent his son to be persecuted. And he sent his son to die on a cross where he got dirtier for you. So when he says you can be in the world but not of the world, why would you not want to do what he says? Why would you not want to be that person that says, you know what, I'm not of this world. I'm just passing through. God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? How many people can I bring with me? Because we're not from this world, we go through life awkwardly. How many of you all are awkward? I am. I fell down these steps back here behind the chapel Monday night. And I did the normal thing. I caught one of the steps weird. My leg twisted underneath me. I kind of went, and then like I stood up and I looked around to make sure that nobody saw me. (laughs) 
And then I just walked right on into chapel like nothing had happened. I was limping a little bit. I'm awkward. Not just like clumsy, I can't walk awkward. I'm awkward. I say awkward things. I do awkward things. Like, that's just me. I'm not normal. Thank God I'm not normal. I'm glad that I don't fit into the world's definition of normal. But we don't fit in here. We're not liked. We don't fit in. There should be tension between us and the world. Here's a big one. If there's not, you need to check yourself. If you, if you claim that you are living for Christ, that Christ lives in you, and that you are a follower of his, your life should not be smooth sailing. Because the Bible tells us the world will hate you as they hated me. What Jesus says is what the world did to me, they want to do to you. You want to know when they don't want to do that? When you go right along with them. That's not what we're called to do. We're not called to go with the flow. God's going, I didn't create you to go this way with the crowd. I created you to turn and go this way because because you don't want to go that way. Broad is the gate that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. It's narrow because few take it. Jesus never shied away from talking about tension. In John 15, verse 19, the Bible says this, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. I, I love it. I love how blunt Jesus is. I mean, think about it. Zacchaeus. He goes to his house, and he doesn't, like, sugarcoat anything. He goes, hey, everything you've taken, give it back. The rich young ruler, hey, what must I do to, to, to gain salvation, to gain heaven, eternal life? Sell everything you have, give it to the poor. Hey, what does it take to follow you, Jesus? Sell everything, follow me. Forsake everything. He goes so far as to say, if it's your parents, forsake them. And I'm not saying, like, forsake your parents, but what he's talking about there is that you should be so driven to follow him that there's nothing that's going to hold you back. One of the toughest things for me to admit is my family held me back from a lot of things. Because I was like, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. And my dad goes, yeah, that's nice, but, like, how is that going to be in, like, the real world? So my first year in college, I was a business major. First time I've ever failed classes in my life. And I'm good at math. But I struggled. And it was because I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. Now my dad has had a completely different feel. I work for my dad. I have no problem I have no problem saying that. I love the fact that I work for my dad. Because I get to do this, because now he understands the importance of what God has called me to do. And he doesn't hold me back anymore. He lets me go. I mean, how many people get to take off a week from work and come hang out with you guys? I get to. And I love it. But see, my dad understands that I'm awkward. Like, I'm not 
I'm not cut out for the business world. I have to be because I have to I have to earn money somehow. But this is what God has called me to do, and this is what I get to do. But he says he says he says but because you are not of this world, but I chose you. How cool is that? And I'm not going to get into a predestination argument. And for those of you who have no idea what that word is, I just threw out like a really big Christian term. But I love the fact that he says, I chose you. I chose you. Here's what's really cool about that. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. So as cool as that verse is that I like to think that God singled me out, he did for a purpose. But he died for everybody. So he chose everybody. He chose to die for everybody. I'm so glad that John 3.16 doesn't say, for God so loved, and then like a list of people. That he gave his only begotten son that if another big list of people would believe in him, they'll have eternal life. That would stink. Because like as soon as I found that, found that out, It'd be like trying out for a school play. Like you go running up to the thing, like to the board to see if like your name's on it. You'd be like flipping to John 3.16 going, and then like 700 pages later, you're still going, I'm not finding my name. But it's, that's not how it is. He chose us. Here's what's really cool about that. He chose each one of us for a purpose. We talked about that. He's given you gifts that he hasn't given somebody else. Because he has you on this earth at this time, in this moment, for a reason. Because he wants you in the world, but not of the world. Focus on him. Christians have been persecuted every day. Governments pass laws to hinder from preaching of the gospel. We played church last night where you kind of had to hide from the guards. And I know that you've heard this said before, but there there are churches in the world that have had their Bibles taken away from them. And some of them have been able to hang, hang on to one page and they pass it around. I mean, think about it. If somebody took your Bible away right now, other than John 3.16 and John 11.35, how many verses could you quote? For those of you who don't know, John 11:35, Jesus wept. Just throwing that one out there for you. In case anybody asks you what the shortest verse in the English Bible is, there it is. But, but Christians have been persecuted. My church just went through a series called uh, Fan or Follower. Sadly, there's a lot more fans of Jesus than there are followers of Jesus. Because there's a lot of us that go, yeah, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus on Sundays. And any other time I go to church. Some people use Christianity as an excuse. Hey, you want this beer? Nope, I'm a Christian. In the world, but not of it. John 17, verses 14 through 16. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. 
Sorry, my phone is flipping around on me. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. I love that. Could you, could you imagine? I mean, it, it would be pretty cool. But I don't know how far the gospel would have gotten had this happened. Like the minute that you become a Christian, boom, you're in heaven. Hey, that's cool. No struggle. No persecution. Get to be with Jesus. You know, I mean, it's kind of like, yay. But how far would the gospel have gone if that would have been the case? You see, ever since, ever since Jesus died on the cross and he began to, and his disciples began to go out, people have been looking for Christ to return. Like that's, that's the driving force behind it is, hey, there's going to come a day where I'm not going to hurt anymore. There's going to come a day where I'm not sad anymore. There's going to come a day where, where I don't get angry anymore. There's going to come a day where nobody fights against me. There's going to come a day where all I'm going to do is stand at the feet of my Savior and proclaim, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. There's going to come a day where there is no night. There's going to come a day where I do nothing but worship I think it's so funny because you hear so many people going, hey, the streets are going to be paved with gold and there's going to be, there's going to be mansions and there's like the tree of life. And I always hear this from people going, yeah, I'm going to go find Paul and I'm going to ask him this question. I'm going to go find Adam and I'm going to ask him what it was like to be the first person in the world. The Bible doesn't tell us that. The Bible tells us that when we're in heaven, we're going to be worshiping. We are, we're going to be around the throne worshiping. And that's the cool thing because he says, you know, I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them safe, that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Here, we're going to go through this real quick. Number one, if the X-Men are going to show us anything that we as Christians are truly not of this world, that we're, we're really aliens just waiting to get to our true home. Not like green antenna kind of aliens. Like we just we just don't belong. The X Men also show us various ways that we as Christians have tried to cope with the world. Because a lot of times when you read the X Men comic books, that's what a lot of them are doing. They're just trying to cope with the reality that they're in. They're just trying to make it through. Here's how some of them do it. Number one, they just decide to peaceably peacefully coexist. The guy who, who, who formed the X-Men, Professor Xavier, like he dreams of this time where humans and mutants can kind of peacefully coexist together. And as Christians, we kind of hope for that. We're like, you know what? Maybe if we're, maybe if we're nice enough, then they won't be mad at us. Maybe if we're, if, if we're, if we're kind-hearted and we do enough good, then, then they, won't, they won't hate us. The Bible tells us they're going to hate us. It doesn't matter what you do. You know, we're like, well, we'll try to serve. And we talked about that this morning. You know, we'll try to serve and love the world in the name of Christ by helping in soup kitchens or going on jail visitation or cleaning toilets or, you know, helping out with the homeless or, hey, there's, there's somebody that needs uh, money, so they're going to take up a special offering, so I'm going to throw like two bucks into it. So, hey, God, maybe if we do enough good stuff like this, maybe we can kind of just kind of, Chill out with each other. You know, 
like peace and everything. But often we replace who we truly should be in Christ for helping others just for the sake of avoiding conflict. Have you ever done that? Don't even raise your hand, but have you all ever done that? Like somebody starts challenging you in your faith and you know that you need to stand up for your faith and you know you need to stand up for Christ and you need to take a stand, but you just kind of bow out of it, just hoping to keep everything cool. Just let me peacefully coexist. Just let me exist in my world and you can exist in yours. And that's how we try to deal with a lot. Another one is attacking the world. In every comic book, for every good guy, there's a bad guy. Sometimes there's multiple bad guys. In the world of the X-Men, there's Magneto. Magneto despises humanity. He's kind of where the homo superior comes in. He thinks that he's better than everybody else. One race must overcome the other one. And Magneto is convinced that that's going to be the mutants. As Christians, many times we try this approach too. We fight for our rights. We boycott companies. We protest things that we find offensive. It's kind of the us versus them mentality. Like there is that conflict. That maybe, maybe if we protest enough companies, then like it'll shut them down and then they'll see. I, I, I remember when like the Southern Baptist Convention boycotted Disney. I mean, that really put a hurting on Disney, didn't it? You know? I mean, in case y'all didn't know, you all support Disney every time you go see a superhero movie. Every time you watch sports on ESPN, you're supporting Disney. Like, it, it, it does no good to fight the world like that. It's good to take a stand, and it's good to fight for some things. There's a group at a church that I used to go, I, I used to go to, and I don't know how they do this. I don't know how they get this schedule, but there's uh, an abortion clinic in, in a town near here, and they know every time that there's something going on in that building, and they are across the street, and they're not standing over there with picket signs. They're sitting over there praying, holding hands and praying. They're taking a stand. But they're not creating a conflict. They're not attacking the world. But that, a lot of people will do that. Number three is a compromise to fit in. A lot of these mutants, like I said, they, they can kind of take on a human form and kind of pass themselves off. You know, like Cyclops, the guy that like shoots lasers out of his eyes, he has special glasses that if he wears them, he can kind of walk around and chill out with everybody. Wolverine, aside from the facial hair, he's pretty normal looking until like. You know, claws start shooting out of his hands. But you see, there, there's a lot of times where, where we want to compromise to fit in. A few of them tried to change their appearance. Like there was one girl who had bright green hair, and she decided to dye it so that she could fit in. One of them, X-Men, one of the X-Men, uh, Angel, began to sprout wings, and in order to, to wear them, he actually created a harness that would, that would like, keep them tucked in. But you see, he was harnessing who he really was, and it hurt him. And finally, he just went, you know what, I'm tired of, of restraining who I really am, and he just let his wings go free. The most famous is probably Nightcrawler. He's blue, he's scaled, he's kind of furry. He obviously stood out. But then Iron Man stepped in, Tony Stark stepped in, and kind of created this hologram thing 
that would that would create this outer facade so that he could walk around. A literal hologram that just covered him. And he liked it. But the problem with passing yourself off is that you have to deny who you truly are. Listen, I don't care what the situation is, what the circumstances are. And I'm going to take it, I'm going to take it a step further. It's not even, your, your Christian beliefs are important. But when you compromise who you really are in order to fit in, you're doing yourself more harm than you are benefiting yourself to fit in. If you have to change who you are in order to fit into a group of people, get out of that group. It's not worth changing who you are to fit in. If I did that in high school, the the majority of people, like the biggest group that I fit in, wore cowboy boots, skinny jeans before there were skinny jeans, and flannel shirts. I grew up in the city, and I tried to fit in with this group. I could not imagine trying to wear cowboy boots and skinny jeans right now. Like, if I would have stuck with that, I would have been miserable because that wasn't really who I am. Like, this is who I am. I don't, I don't compromise for anybody. As Christians, sometimes we're, we're so intimidated by the opinions and prejudices of the world that we think it would just be easier just to be silent about our beliefs. We don't actually deny our faith, but by our silence, we try to pass as people without Christian conviction or identity. That's a hard one, but I want to say it again. By our silence, we try to pass ourselves as people without Christian conviction or identity. Your friends know you're here. Your friends know exactly what this camp is about. And your friends are expecting to see something different. Because if, if, if you really are going to be who you claim to be, they want to see something different. And if they don't see something different, like they're just going to go, ah, there's nothing to that. Don't compromise just to fit in. Number four is complete withdrawal. A lot of Christians do this. They kind of take the not of the world to, to, to an extreme. There was actually a group of the, of the X-Men, the mutants, that actually began to live in the old subways underneath New York just so that they didn't have to deal with the humans. And they began to change and they began to, they began to, um, you know, they, they just began to just, just become even worse than they really had ever been before. And as Christians, sometimes we retreat from the culture that offends us. You know, we kind of create this little bubble for ourselves, kind of like a little safe haven. And for some of you all, that's here. For some of you all, you're like, if I can just make it back to camp, then I'll be safe. Then I can really be who I'm supposed to be. Hey, it's easy to do it here. And I, I challenge teenagers about this all the time. Because I grew up in a church that you didn't raise your hand. You knew when to stand up. You knew when to sit down. You knew when to shake hands. You knew when to cough so that you wouldn't interrupt the pastor. And I remember the first time I went to camp and we came back 
and we tried to get like a praise and worship song put in. And I remember the first time one of the girls in our youth group raised her hand out of, out of sheer reverence to what was going on. You could hear the gasp go through the church. The minute her hands went up, they were all like, <gasps> and she immediately put them down. And, and, and we talked about that later, and she told our youth pastor, she goes, she goes, why can they not understand that I'm just worshiping? Some of you all, you all are going to go back to a church. You guys are going to go back to a youth group. You guys are going to go back to a place that they, they, they're not, they don't do things the way that we do around here. Hey, if you feel like raising your hands, don't be disrespectful, but raise your hands and worship. You know, don't, don't, don't do the compromising. Don't do, don't do the things that, that, that we've been talking about, like where you completely withdraw and, sorry, I had to look back because I couldn't remember the words I used, but where, you know, where, where you kind of restrain yourself. Be who God has called you to be. Now, there's good and bad to, to kind of the, the complete withdrawal, and I'm not saying, you know, that if you do that, that it's wrong. But God calls us out of the world to follow him. Okay, get this. He calls us out of the world to follow him, but then he sends us into the world to show him. He's saying, I have called you out of the world because you're no longer the same as the world. But then he puts us back into the world and he says, show them who I am. Show them my love. Show them what I did for them. One last thing. In the comic book world, there's this thing called a crossover. Pretty much you've got Marvel and you've got DC. You have Marvel characters, you have DC characters. But every now and then, it's a rarity. But there's what they call a crossover, and it's where a Marvel character shows up in a DC character's book, or vice versa. And usually it's met with conflict because they're from totally different worlds. And it's met with conflict and, and, and confusion a lot of times. But the crossover idea may be kind of a fifth way that, that Christians tend to live. Too often, our churches, they wait for people to come into them. I'm going to step on a lot of toes, and I apologize for this. But I went to one of these churches. They tried to be everything to everybody. Because if we make it attractive enough, then the world will want to come to us. And we won't have to go to them. We won't have to go out there and put ourselves out there. I know. Let's put a coffee shop in our church. I went to a church out west that had six Starbucks in their main auditorium. There were business people throughout the week that came into the church, bought coffee, and left. And the church thought that they were doing a good thing because the world's coming to us. You're selling Starbucks. Oh, I know. Let's do worldly music. That'll bring them in, and then we'll hit them with the gospel. Mm, okay. I've been in churches that do that. For some people, it works. Because there's some people that go, hey, our church does this kind of music. That's awesome. Like, I love that. Like, I love the variety. 
But I'm just saying that, that there's a lot of churches that try to cross over with the world to make the church more appealing. And to me, what you're doing is you're tarnishing what God has called us to be. But, you know, like, like the concept, I mean, it, it can kind of work. But, here, but here's the message that kind of comes across. We're not going to set foot in your world, but you are more than welcome to meet us in ours. I kind of equate that to sitting outside of the principal's office. You're kind of sitting there and you're dreading it because you know what's about to happen in there. Because you've done wrong and you know that he's going to do something to correct you. And so we don't want to go in there. There's that dread. And that's kind of the way that the world feels a lot about churches. They're not going to come. There are the few exceptions where people, like, I, I, was, I was part of a, of a revival service. It was only supposed to last like three days and it ended up lasting three weeks. Like God just kept moving in people's lives. And there literally were, there are those moments where, where God will, will draw somebody to a church because they'll hear something. Uh, Paul, shake your head if I'm right on this. It wasn't it, oh, I can't remember. I was going to say D.L. Moody that was like walking by a church and heard him singing and like walked in, but he was, was that, am I the right person? Okay. I mean, there, there, there are those exceptions. Where, where, where people will be walking by a church and they'll be drawn into it because God's doing a work in their life anyway. But during that revival service, I literally saw people walk down the aisle and you would pass out from just the stench of them. And they would walk down through there and they would sit a paper bag down at the altar and they would move a few feet down from it and they would just collapse on their face and just start sobbing. And they would stand up and they would say, I've been, I've been a slave to alcohol my entire adult life. I lost my family. I lost my job. I don't want this anymore. And they would literally come into the church and lay it down. I watched one guy come in. He walked in. He sat down a cardboard box and then just walked off. Now, the security in the church, they went nuts. Because he laid it right down in front of the pastor. So they all kind of freaked out and they grabbed it and like took off running with it. And somebody chased him down. But when they started going through the box, it was pornography. It was drugs. It was all of his paraphernalia that he used for his drugs. And there was a note in it that said, I'm tired of living this way. I want to change. So there are those exceptions where people will come to the church but here's where a crossover works more than our church buildings. When you live your life so completely different from the world that God has called you out of, the people come to you and they say there's something different about you. What is it? I want it. Michael Brewer, the author we've been quoting all week, he says, I believe God is rooting for a crossover. After all, isn't that what Jesus did? In the truest sense, Jesus crossed over from heaven to meet humanity where we live. He brought his world, the kingdom of God, into our world. God is rooting for a crossover. Again, without sacrificing your beliefs or your convictions, we should be willing and actively going 
where unbelievers are. Don't run away from them. But I'm not saying go hang out in a bar to save all the drunks. That's not what I'm saying. But be willing when God calls you to go where it's uncomfortable. Be willing to go where you're an outsider more than you'll ever know. My cousin is a youth pastor in Miami, Florida. He failed Spanish. In case you forgot, Miami is like northern Cuba. They all speak Spanish, and he's a youth pastor down there. And I'm like, how's your Spanish coming after six years of being in Florida? <laughs> yeah, I know. He's like, I've tried. I can't do it. But God is using him, and his youth group is growing, and his youth group is reaching people. Spanish, English, it doesn't matter. He was willing to go where he was uncomfortable because God had called him to go. We shouldn't wait for them to come to us, but we should be willing to go to them. Jesus tells us in John 20, 21, he said to them, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. The ultimate crossover is when you are willing to go where God has called you to go. To reach people that nobody else can reach. When you leave here, are you going to be willing to be in the world but not of the world? Are you going to be willing to take a stand when you need to? Are you going to be willing to say, God, thank you for taking me out of the world. And God, show me where you want to send me back into it.